All that he has and all that he is is yours. If he said, I sent my word and healed you, that's it. I don't care what the diagnosis is, that sickness, that disease, that weakness, that missing body part has to bow to who Jesus is. He is a healer. And you've got to reach out and seize hold of that. So you have to know that it's God's will that you're well. Have you ever felt the stirring of something extraordinary in the ordinary moments of life? Or wondered how each day can become a testament to the awe-inspiring power of faith? Welcome to the Faith Family Church Omaha podcast. Together, we explore the amazing ways God's presence transforms our daily lives. Each message is a journey into the heart of a life lived with God, where faith is ignited, miracles are experienced, and God's love is felt every step of the way. As you listen to today's message, open your heart and expect God to move powerfully in your life. We started out in message one talking about the importance of you knowing and being able to discern good from evil. Message two, message three, we started talking a little bit about how that God is good and how that he does good. We're going to continue with that today. Do We're going to do a little bit of a refresher with some scriptures just to kind of get us all back up to speed. I want to encourage you to get online and watch these messages or not watch them or just listen to them. It would be ideal for you to sit down with a pad of paper, your Bible, listen to the message, hit the pause button, take notes, let God speak to you because this subject is huge. Do you know right now, I, would, I, I don't want to say the majority of the body of Christ, but I think it could possibly be true. They do not know that God is only good. A lot of people out there think that God is using sickness and disease and putting it on them to teach them something. Or that, you know, God is behind the scenes manipulating things. No, he is only good. This is a doctrine. We are rightly dividing the Bible. This is a doctrine that goes from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. All throughout the Bible, there is no darkness in him. There is no evil in God. He is only good, and that's why you could put all your trust in him. Amen? So let's talk about this. In Psalm 119, in verse 68, it says, You are good, and you do good. Right? That's a foundation, and it, it's just all over the Bible. The word good, as we said earlier, it literally appears 813 times in the Bible, 813 times. The Hebrew word for good, the Greek word for good, if you sum up a definition, it would be this. The definition of good is pleasant, beautiful, excellent, rich, prosperous, well, appropriate, the word good means beneficial. The word good means happy. The word good means honest. And it means right. 
That's what that word means. And God is that. Notice there's no sickness in there, right? There's no evil in that definition. We, we have received a lot of teaching in the body of Christ, uh, especially recently in the last maybe 30 years, uh, and it seems to be escalating. Under the, it's, it, They talk about God under the umbrella of sovereignty. And what that is, Satan uses that word sovereignty like bait. But because it's not rightly divided, there's a hook in that. So is God sovereign? He absolutely is sovereign. He has sovereign authority. And God set up everything sovereignly. And here is rule number one of sovereignty, the way God set it up. Your will in your life trumps God's will. He'll woo you. He'll lead you, but he will never drive you to serve him, right? He sets before you life and death, and then he tells you, please, choose life. He's good all the time. Noah Webster uh, was a great man of God, and in his original dictionary, the word good, the definition covered a whole page, right? And I love summing it up. He defined foundationally the word good as complete and sufficient in its kind. And that's God. That's who he is. So Isaiah chapter 5, as we, and go ahead and put that up on the screen, as we have seen, Isaiah 5 verse 20, God warns us. The prophet Isaiah said, Woe unto them that call evil good. Right now, we live in a society, man, especially in the last few years, how that has escalated, where people are calling things that are evil, they're calling it good. It also says, woe unto them that call good evil, right? That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, now, as we jump into the New Testament, Romans chapter 12 in verse 9 says it this way. Paul, writing to the Gentile Christians in Rome, said this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, let love be without dissimulation. That means that word dissimulation is a little vague. It, it would read like this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor. This word means detest, depart from, separate yourself from completely that which is evil. If God was evil in any way, why would he say that? God is telling us, I want you to detest, abhor, and completely separate yourself from everything that is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Well, you have to be able to discern good from evil. And on the surface, that might sound really simple. But let's go to Hebrews. Go ahead and put Hebrews chapter 5 up there in verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5 in verse 14. Look at what it says here. Hebrews 
Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, this, is, this, would, this word use means by reason of habitual use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's talking about a mature believer. One that's of full age means it's a, a mature believer. This is describing someone who continues in the word and is a doer of it. This person is habitually using God's word. They're, they're, they're a continual doer of the word. The Bible says that what happens when you continually are a doer of the word, your senses get exercised to discern both good and evil. So a Christian who just reads their Bible whenever they feel like it, comes to church when they feel like it, and, and really does not live a God-centered life, is going to be very susceptible to not seeing good from evil. Right? Because sometimes the enemy will bring someone in your life that might seem really good. But it's a counterfeit, and even though it looks good on the outside, it leads you down a different way. Right? you got to be careful what you hear because there's some incredible dynamic gifts that can make a lot of stuff sound like, make sense. They could be an anointed preacher, but you got to be real careful because if they're not preaching the word, that's not good. Right? Or if they're preaching 90% of the word and 10% nonsense, guess what? The 10% nonsense will hurt you. Brother Hagen used to say this to us, eat the hay and leave the sticks. Babies can't do that. Right? And when I talk a baby Christian, you could be sitting here for 40 years, but if you're still not a doer of the word, you're a baby. Because age doesn't grow you up. Right? So this is really important as we get into this to discern both good and evil. You need to realize when you get in a battle who the enemy is. There are people, how can you stand against sickness and disease if you think God might be teaching you something with this? No, God has nothing to do with that. Right? Poverty and lack. He has nothing to do with that. He has no plan for your life to be in lack in any way. Right? To be honest with you, it's going to be hard for you to prove from the Bible that he wants you to just have enough. It's always more than enough because you're not here for you, right? So let's look at an example of this. Go to Isaiah chapter 45 and let's look at verse 7. And let's see, this is what, this is what trips people up. This is a great scripture, right? I remember a situation in my life where somebody was really coming against some of the things that I was saying, and they used this scripture. So let's put it up there. Isaiah 45 in verse 7. The word of God says, I form the light. That's good news. 
and create darkness. What? Does the Bible say that? The King James Version says this. I make peace and what? Create evil? I, the Lord, do all these things. Like he's adamant about this. And people read this and go, Pastor, then this whole series, what are you doing? I'm out. Right? But let's really, let's, let's dig a little bit. The Bible says that the word of God is life to those that find it. So if we dig into the Hebrew language, it would read like this. I form the light, but here's the word create. Hmm. It's a Hebrew verb, bara. Okay. Now there is a part of the root of this word, bara, that means create. But the foundation of this word, what it really means, it means to cut down like a tree. Okay? The Hebrew meaning of this word literally means to cut down like a tree. In other words, I form the light and I cut down like a tree darkness. Oh, that changes some things, doesn't it? I make peace and I cut down like a tree evil. And, and when you read that, you're going, okay, well, that makes sense. And that fits from Genesis to maps because the other doesn't fit, right? Because the Bible says over and over and over and over that God is only good. God says, listen, abhor, detest, completely separate yourself from evil and cleave to that which is good. So see, we got to rightly divide some of these things. In Genesis, think about this. In relation to Isaiah 45, 7. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Look at what God said. Genesis 1, 31. And God saw everything that he had made. Do you think God was leaving anything out? No. He saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Wait, well, time out. What about the creating darkness and evil? No, he didn't do that. He cuts that down like a tree. Right? And behold, it was very good, and evening and morning were the sixth day. Well, let's look at another scripture. Acts chapter, let's go to Acts chapter, or Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good and evil. Nope. Who went about doing good and healing how many? All who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. All. God is so good that he knew that billions of people that would live in human history would never receive the sacrifice of his son dying for their sins. And yet God is so good, he still, Jesus still bore all of their spiritual death and all of their sin, knowing that they would never receive him. Why? Because he's, he's no respecter of persons. If he does something for one, he, is, he does it for all. Boy, if you can get this, 
it'll make the whole word of God make sense to you. And all of a sudden, if, it, if this dawns on your spirit, you go, hold on, wait a minute. I am not putting up with this sickness. I am not putting up with lack. Right? Depression, you got to go. John chapter 10, here's another one. Verse 10. I would call this the dividing line of the Bible. Now, I, I've been calling that for years. I don't know if God told me that or if I heard that somewhere. I've heard other ministers say that. So, you know, it's all from him, whatever, right? But this is the dividing line of the Bible. Jesus said this, the thief comes. Why does he come? But for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is no darkness in God. 1 John chapter 3 in verse 8 says this in relation to what we're talking about here. This is why Jesus came. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. It says, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. This is why Jesus was manifested. This word manifest means to make visible. This is why he appeared. Look at this. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy him. He has no part in what Satan's doing. One author says this, that God uses Satan like a dog on a leash. He uses him. No, that's a lie. That's, that's coming from a blind spot in this author who loves the Lord. Right? She just doesn't see some things. This is why when we come to the Word of God, we're not coming to the Word of God to try to make it say what we want it to say. Because all of this thinking, this sovereignty stuff, this is where it really leads people. That it's really, if whatever's going on in my life, it's really not my fault. It's a no-fault gospel. If God wanted me healed, then I'd be healed. If God wanted me blessed, then I'd be blessed. This, none of this stuff is my fault. Boy, when you start to realize that if the word of God is not working for you, it is not because God is not doing it. I mean, and this is, this is what's so funny. People will get mad at God because things are not working out the way they want. It's amazing how easy it is for us to slip into our flesh. That, that spiritual death nature, we're blaming God. You know that God has never let anyone down. Ever. Now there's a lot of people that, that when they die, we're down here in a funeral service celebrating their life. They're up in heaven walking around going, oh, oh yeah, okay, that makes total sense. Wow, I didn't have to be here early. I see that now, right? Now, are they being slapped for that? No, no. God's not into that. They're excited about being there, right? But there's, there's, there's nobody walking around heaven going, you know what? Man, oh, Pastor Elisha, Elisa, that just wasn't really fair what happened to me on the earth. There's nobody doing that. 
right? Nobody. Do you know at the great white throne judgment, when, when all of the people that have rejected Christ and have died, when hell is emptied and they are now all going to be judged for the sin that they will know Jesus paid for. When they are, when they are there, do you know that Philippians tells us that in honor they will bow their knee and they will confess, Jesus, you truly are Lord. They're not made to. They just will do it because they will know. Why am I saying all this? Because every promise in this book is yours. All that he has and all that he is is yours. If he said, I sent my word and healed you, that's it. I don't care what the diagnosis is, that sickness, that disease, that weakness, that missing body part has to bow to who Jesus is. He is a healer. And you've got to reach out and seize hold of that. So you have to know that it's God's will that you're well. If you're fighting depression, anxiety, have terror attacks and all this emotional upheaval, don't beat yourself up for that. But you rise up and go, wait a minute, this is not right. This is not, this is not legal. I belong to the Lord. Depression, anxiety, Fear, you got to go, right? Same with poverty and lack. Listen, if you're there right now where you're experiencing things, rejoice that you're coming out. So the road to seeing these things is found in John chapter 8. So I want to go there again. John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. He said, if you continue, right? If you abide and remain and endure, that's what that word continue means, in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Verse 32, and then you will know the truth. That means you will perceive and understand the truth of the word of God. And the truth or the word of God will make you free, right? This is so big. Do you know in John chapter one, it says this, and go ahead and put John 1, 1 up there. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, right? Then if you jump down to verse 14, And it says, and the word was made flesh. It took upon himself flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The Greek word glory can be translated goodness. Those disciples beheld his glory. They beheld the goodness of God. The glory or the goodness as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. Wow. The Bible says over and over, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Wow. But we see from John chapter 8, it is the truth that you know that will make you free. It's not just the truth that you listen to. The word of God must dawn on your spirit. And for it to dawn on your spirit he's going to have to be the center of your life. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more thrilling than making him the center of your life. Don't ever say no to him. 
Come before his word with a willingness to do it because it's impossible when you do the word for it to do anything other than increase your life. So Psalm chapter 118, verse verse 1, I love this. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endures forever. This is why we live a life of thanksgiving as a Christian. Because he is good. He's so good, his mercy endures forever. If I ever need his mercy, it's here for me. Right? Jump down to verse 5. It says, I called upon the Lord in distress. Now, a lot of times, distress in your life, a lot of times, the majority of the time, it's probably caused by you and I. There are times when we just live in the earth and it's not fair and things start happening. But in either case, when you call upon the Lord in distress, the Lord answered me and he set me in a large place. This this phrase, in a large place, in the Hebrew language, can be rendered like this. He set me in a large place of freedom. Are you in distress? God will answer you. Call out to him in distress. And he will take you and he will set you in a place of freedom where you walk free from things. Wow. Then it goes on to say, the Lord is on my side. And see, this is the problem with many of our brothers and sisters. They don't know that the Lord is on their side. God is on your side today right? Because he's on my side, because he's on your side, I will not fear what man can do to me. It becomes a non-issue because if God's on my side, it doesn't matter what's coming against me. It's going to lose because God's on my side. Psalm 85, or I'm sorry, Psalm 86, verse five. Let's look at this. Look at this. Psalm 86, five. For thou, Lord, art good. Wow. Where have we heard that before, right? He is good and he does good. Look at this. And for thou, Lord, art ready to forgive. For thou, Lord, art what? Plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. Isn't that good? Man, we need to know this. You're good. You're ready to forgive. And you're plenteous in mercy. In other words, you have more than enough mercy that I'll ever need every time I come to you. Man, I've blown it for the 10th time today and I still have more than enough mercy. And when I understand this, it will help me walk free from behaviors that are not pleasing to him because he can't really get anything over to you. Psalm 31 in verse 19 says this. Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear thee. This word fear literally means to reverence, to honor, and to respect above everything else in your life. 
When a person is in that place where they put God first, they seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, they fix their eyes on him, and their life becomes, the focus of their life becomes, uh, my, my, the focus of my life is to, lo- is to know God. And out of the overflow of that, God will make me the head and not the tail of anything he calls me to do in the earth. All the ministry, all the career, everything, he just he will bring everything to maturity in my life. He'll bless the work of my hands. He goes before me. The blessing of Abraham just literally rests upon me. I love that. Wow. How great is your goodness, which you've laid up for them that fear thee. So now let's jump over to Psalm 107. Psalm 107 in verse 8 and 9. I hope as these scriptures, as they wash over you, that it brings a refreshing and it brings an excitement. What, What we're really endeavoring to do today is get you to taste him so that you can see that he's good. Because you could hear about it forever and never see it. But God wants you to see that he's good, that he will meet you right where you are. We live in this society in the church that is so, it's just so carnal and so watered down. But in the midst of this, there's a fire that's being birthed in the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, get on fire for him because it'll help your life, your family's life, Man, it'll help your church, but it's going to help your brothers and sisters that don't know this. It's going to help those that don't know God to come to know him. Right? Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. This Hebrew word goodness literally means for his kindness, for his faithfulness for his mercy, for his love, and for his loving kindness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. The more you hunger... Or the more you feed on him, the hungrier you'll get. The more you hungry, hunger, the more he fills. So I'm telling you, you it, it's just, it's perpetuating. Is there a limit? It's unlimited. It's unlimited. God has made your spirit with an unlimited capacity to know him. Wow. So David, the psalmist in Psalm 27, in verse 13, said it like this. Psalm 27, 13, David said this, I had fainted or I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's interesting the way that the Holy Spirit prompted David to say that. He didn't say, I would have fainted unless I saw the goodness of God. He said, I would have fainted unless I would have believed to see. Because see, if you don't believe to see, you won't see. You can't see. Because you receive everything from God through faith. Unless I would have believed to see 
the goodness of the Lord while I'm alive on this earth. God wants you to see and experience his goodness. See, Bible knowing is to experience, to know. I mean, to feel, to sense, to see the results of. He wants your life to be a living testimony of that. So in other words, now we're seeing that we must use faith, which comes from hearing God's word, right? To believe, to see the goodness of God for us individually. God wants to come into your life right where you are, right into your area of your life and show you his goodness, right? He knows every need you have. You may think you know every need you have, but he knows every need you have. He knows the way out. He's already provided the way out. He's already provided everything you need. He'll put you around the right people, right? He'll plant you in the right church. He'll put you right where you're supposed to be. And then he'll take you by the hand and walk you into everything. If you'll get over yourself and give it up, stop saying no, and just live for him, right? He doesn't expect you to change in your own strength. He will empower you to change. Your, your job is to be willing and obedient, and that's where the problem is. Christians are allowing their flesh to dictate their behavior, and it's keeping them out from laying hold of the blessings that are theirs, that God has given them. Romans chapter 2 in verse 4. I know we're going through a lot of scriptures but I just want to wash this over. You haven't seen anything yet. Romans 2.4 says this. You could say it this way. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? In other words, the word of God is saying, are you treating as common the riches of the goodness of God, the riches of his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing. The only reason why you would not treat his goodness or you would treat it as common is because you don't know something. Not knowing that what? The goodness of God is what leads you to repent. That word repent literally means to change your mind, your will, and your purpose. It was a military term. It literally means about face. Where your commander says about face and you turn and go a different direction. There's no emotion in it. There's another Greek word that could be translated repent. Where it has all this emotion in it. You know, crying, weeping, wailing. But that's just remorse. There's no power in that word to change. But in the word repent, there's power to change. What causes people to change? Listen, if somebody goes to the Super Bowl today and they're holding up a turn or burn thing, right? You better get your life right or you're going to burn in hell. That's not going to cause anybody to change. If they get enough alcohol in them, it might cause a change in that guy's situation, right? Because it's the goodness of God that leads people to change. That leads people out of darkness to be saved into light. That leads a Christian to get over themselves and start living for what they want and do it his way so that they can experience his life, which he's already given them. 
right? It's so, so very important. You know, we live in a society where, I mean, you got Christians that it, it, it confuses the world because the Christians are at the same bars and they're picking up the same ladies and they're living together and they're doing all these behaviors that the world does and, and they're sitting here going, there can't be anything to this God thing. But why does a Christian live like that? If you don't understand your identity, that you've been made righteous, do you know your behavior comes from a revelation knowledge of you being righteous? If you don't know you're righteous, holiness flows out of righteousness. So you're never going to be able to live a holy life if you don't understand you've been made righteous. And you're never even going to want to look into any of this stuff unless you realize God is good. He is good and does good. There's only light in him. He only has great plans for you. So repentance is not remorse. A lot of times have you as this, can you be honest enough with yourself? Now don't raise your hand because I think we have a lot of honest people here. But have you ever had something in your life, a behavior in your life that you're doing and you hate it, but you still are choosing it, right? You still choose it. Why? And you feel, you feel really bad about it. Now, I mean, you, you choose it and you do it and it's fun there for just this season, but then the minute it's over, Satan will try to tempt you to do it. And then the minute you do it, he's on your shoulder going, you dirty dog. Man, you're, you're never going to amount to any. You know what I mean? And so you cry out to God, and it seems like it never changes. Why? Because it's remorse. You're sitting here going, I really can't see myself ever stopping this, but I know I can't have the blessing of God, and it's frustrating me. And I Could, could a Christian get in that spiral? Yeah. But there is a power when you get a revelation knowledge of how good God is, it empowers you to change. I don't try to change myself. I tried for years. Crazy. I don't try to change myself. Do you know I don't try to keep myself? I trust him to keep me. How do I do that? I live my life. I can hardly say it. I live my life feeding on the word of God, speaking constantly. Father, I'm so thankful that you are so good. You've been so long suffering with me. You've shown me so much mercy. You've never given up on me. Man, I'm telling you, the more that revelation goes, all of a sudden, this Greek word metanoia, which means repent, it empowers you to literally change your direction. And it's almost like you look at what you're doing and going, that really had no power over me. It seemed like it had so much. Most Christians are not able to repent because they never feed and taste, so they never see God's good. This is why we're teaching this. Man, whatever you think that God could really do for you. I'm here to tell you, you haven't even scratched the surface on how good he, what he really wants to do. Right? See, repentance 
It's changing your mind. It's changing your will. It's changing your emotions. Well, what does the Bible say that brings salvation to your soulish realm? When you implant the word of God in your heart, it's revelation knowledge. It's Romans 12 too. You're transformed by the renovation of your mind. Repentance is turning away from one thing and turning to another thing. See, people are trying to overcome a sin habit because they're just focused on turning away from it. But that's not repentance. Repentance is I'm turning away from this to something else. And that's where Pete, that's just, that's the little thing. Boy, that was worth coming to church for. That's the little thing. You can change anything in your life if you'll focus on not what you're turning away from, but what you're turning to. If you'll focus on that, and when you realize that, you know what? He loves you. He loves you with everything that he is. I love that. The goodness of God has the power to turn a person around. It has the power to turn you and I around. Isn't that good news? So now let's go to James chapter 1. Let's talk about this, verse 16. You guys doing okay? I'm about ready to explode. It's hard to talk about these things, right? I thought I was going to go to bed about 11 o'clock last night. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then all of a sudden it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh. And then I'm waking up, and I, it's 3.20, and then I woke up, and it's 4.15. I'm like, is it time for church yet? Is it time for church yet? It's the time, right? Because here's the other thing. Why have most believers never led anybody to Christ? Why do they not share their faith? Because they have not really tasted and seen how good God is. Have you ever gone to a good, good restaurant? And man, right? Like, like Pastor Mark, first time he went to New York City, saw this street vendor, the halal guys, chicken and rice. Everybody that's close to him has probably been given sauce, has been told, when we went to, when we went to New York City together, it, we were, it was late at night, what did we do? First thing we did, 10.30 at night, we're in line with like 100 people. It was hilarious to, to eat with a street vendor. And what was funny is there's 100 people in line getting chicken and rice over here with the halal guys. And then there's this other street vendor that says we're the real halal guys, and it's crickets. There's nobody there, right? But Mark loves chicken and rice, so Pastor Mark tells everybody about it. If you want to know anything about the New York Yankees, just ask Mark. I got, I mean, I, I get a little concerned about, you know, his dog's name is Jeter. He's got this baseball player's name on his license plate. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, or, or just go by, go by Pastor Mark's house. I mean, you could probably would keep Christmas lights up all year if, the, if, if you, right? He loves Christmas. Why? Because he's tasted this is important to him. I'm telling you, this is nothing compared to God. You can't keep it a secret because he's so good and the world is hurting. Starting with your Christian friends. They don't know some of this stuff. Because see, you can't know it unless you gain revelation knowledge of it. 
So James 1.16, do not err, my beloved brothers. The word err in the Greek means to cause to wonder. He's saying don't, don't wander. It, it means to be led astray to be led aside from the right way. Don't allow, James, Pastor James, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, my beloved brethren, don't let yourself wander and be led astray from the right place. Now he's going to talk about what, what he's talking about. Here it is. Every good gift, this word good literally means generous, profitable, and excellent. If it's from God, it will be more than enough. It will produce generosity in you, right? It'll be profitable and it'll be excellent. Every good gift and every perfect gift, this Greek word for perfect means complete, finished. It's a gift that has reached its end, right? If you want to know what a good gift looks like in Pastor Tony's life, all you have to do is look right here. Seriously. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now God knew me. God literally had to hand deliver her and go, hey, there she is. During worship, I was questioning it when she raised her hand. There's no ring on that finger. The first time I talked to her, I was blown away because I'm like, I'm just meeting this girl for the first time and I feel like I've known her my whole life. God's like, yeah, I'm trying to help you because you can't miss this because you're not going to be able to fulfill the plan of God for your life without her, <laughs> you know, right? Good. It's a good gift. Don't err in this, guys. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Do you see how far away that is from God might put sickness on you to teach you something? Or God, you know, he allowed you to be sexually abused as a child. No, 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 no. You know, somebody loses a child at a young age and they're grieving and then somebody comes up to them and says, well, you know, we just, God's ways are higher than ours. He just needed, he had a deeper plan for that baby. No, God doesn't kill babies. Satan kills babies, Right? Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness. That means what he, variableness in the Greek means if he's done it for one, he'll do it for everyone. God does nothing for one that he won't do for another. Wow. Pastor Dave was talking about Jacob. I mean, this guy, kind of a piece of work. But God blessed him. Why? Because he made promise to Abraham. Do you know God made promise to Jesus that he'd be the heir of the whole world? I mean, do you realize this? I hope you see that God is so good that it's not based on your behavior. Your behavior does not get God to move and give you things, ever. He's already given it to you. Your behavior could keep you out from grabbing hold of it. But it's still yours and it's still sitting there and he will never take it away. 
Isn't that good news? It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. And I'm telling you, we're going to finish strong together. And Satan will try to make you too busy to be planted in a church. And he'll try to get you tired and you'll wake up, you know, everything goes wrong on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. But boy, I'll tell you what, if you will just commit your life to him, it'll, everything will change. Everything will change. It has to. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, the father of lights, in whom is there is no variableness, there's neither shadow of turning. God never changes. Wow. I love this. See, this Greek word variableness, paralage is the Greek word. It means to change alternately from one to another. He never does that. He doesn't, he doesn't treat Pastor Mark one way. Boy, I'm using you a lot this morning. He, he doesn't treat you one way and treat me one way, right? He doesn't treat me one way and then Alicia uh, uh, another way. He, do, he just doesn't do that. He's rich unto all that will call upon him. I love that. If it's not good, if it's not perfect, then it's not from him, Right? Right? Does that make sense? So young lady, that, that guy who seems perfect, if he can't keep his hands off of you until you get married, be careful. Right? If he doesn't honor you, be careful. Same with you guys, right? Don't buy into the lie that, oh, I get this job offer for more money. Check to see if it's the right thing. Right? Because if it's God, it's good and perfect. This never changes. It never changes because God never changes. So, Hebrews 13.8, write this in your notes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Malachi, or if you're Italian, Malachi, however you want to say that, right? Right? 3 verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. He doesn't change. Aren't you grateful he doesn't change? Aren't you grateful he doesn't give you everything you think you want? Oh man, I've wanted some things in life, I'm so grateful. Man, Isaiah 119 is the key and we're going to transition just a little bit. Isaiah 119 the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. It Literally, in the Hebrew language, the good of the land means the best that the land can provide. Wow. I love that. In the CEV version of this verse, it says, if you willingly obey me, it really brings out the Hebrew, the best crops in the land will be yours. The Dewey Reams Bible says this, if you be willing and hearken, that means to hear and obey me, you'll eat the good things of the land. The New English translation says it this way, if you have a willing attitude and obey, then you will again eat the good crops of the land. The Living Bible paraphrase says this, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I'll make you rich. Now, that's a paraphrase, 
But that paraphrases within the guidelines of those Hebrew ver- uh, words. The Young's literal translation says, If you are willing and have hearkened the good of the land, you consume. Wow. So this is a prosperity principle, right? On Wednesday night, we're talking about how that you've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. And we're going to get in how to literally walk and prosper in God's system. It is a prosperity principle. However, this verse deals with everything. It's much more than just prosperity. It's much more than just your financial life. So if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best. But you can't forget verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, wow. Have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, it's a yikes, right? Thank God I'm not doing that anymore. It says, you not only will you not eat the best, you'll be devoured. With the sword for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So the question is, are you going to be eaten or are you going to eat well? Because here's the deal. It's your decision. And, and that, means, that means that you can never be devoured if you don't want to be. Isn't that pretty powerful? So now let's look at another scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It says this. Look at this. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find Knock, and it shall be open to you. So now God said this. Is there any possibility that this could ever change? It can never change. For everyone that asks, receives. Have you ever asked for something that you haven't received? Then your definition of ask is not right. Because we see from other scriptures, you're asking in faith. A lot of people ask for stuff, but they're not in faith. And God's not moved apart from faith. Right? In other words, you've got to be fully persuaded that what you're asking him for, he's already given you. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing God's word. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Right? Now, whenever you're a dad, you know, all you dads, you know, you sit there and go, I mean, mothers and fathers, you you raise these children and you never really feel like a great parent. We would never just go, here's a stone, ha, 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 right? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? And then it says this, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. Now remember, this is a gospel message. You're not evil. Okay. Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? I love the fact that it says, which art in heaven, because guess what? There is nothing in heaven that's not good. Well, God put sickness on me. Where did he get it? Remember the Home Depot story? Go there today 
and try to buy your wife a beautiful diamond tennis bracelet. They will look at you. Don't tell them where you go to church. Because it's impossible for you to bring out of Home Depot a tennis bracelet because they don't have it. God doesn't have anything in heaven that's not good. Psalm 84.11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun. That means he's a source of light and he's a shield. He's a protector. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Isn't that amazing? I'll finish with this scripture in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 14 and verse 15, it says this, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Wow. God is good all the time. He loves you. He's for you. And he has a great plan for your life. Amen. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot more about this because we're not going to leave any stone unturned. God is always good. And he is for you today. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Faith Family Church Omaha podcast. We hope you found encouragement and strength in God's word today. Remember, our journey together doesn't end here. To connect with our community and explore more, visit us at faithfamilyomaha.org. We are a church committed to discipleship, excellence, and restoration. We believe in the power of prayer, the joy of service, and the strength of our commitment to God and each other. Don't forget to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and continue to serve you better. Until next time, take God's word and be a doer of it.